You're listening to the PK Experience Podcast, where I tap into the minds of today's impact players. My name is Peter King. I'm the host of the show, and my guest today is Troy Asignon. He is a brand positioning expert, um, and he got on my radar because he's doing it in a way that is very unconventional. Um, he was in the contracting business for eight years, and found that he positioned his own contracting company better than everybody else and was winning all these bids on these projects. Um above and beyond what the more uh, experienced co- you know, companies were doing, companies that had bigger budgets, et cetera. And he was doing it because he was being creative. And so um, because of his brand positioning expertise, he started offering that to other businesses. And, uh, and he's been getting them really great results. In fact, one company in particular increased um, their business by 300% because he helped them shift their business model. And it's that type of creative approach that I am always fascinated by and I want to better understand. So we have a really great conversation about brand and business. Um, and on top of that, Troy travels the world doing this business, which is another interesting component to me as well. So with that, why don't we get into it? Here I am with Troy Asignon. All right. I am here with Troy Asignon. How was that? You did it. You nailed I it. I nailed it. I don't, I don't <laughs> even speak French. That was uh, pretty good. I have, a, I have a good ear, I've been told. So uh, Troy, welcome to the call, man. I'm excited to get into what you have to share today. Thanks. Thanks for having me, Peter. I'm excited too. It's been really cool to actually get to know you too. I'm excited yeah. to see you. Uh, Thank you. I appreciate yeah, exactly. So you're down in Mexico right now and yep. uh, living the digital lifestyle. Um, yep. Kind of can be wherever you want. You were just telling me pre-call here that you've been traveling around and yep. um, and then uh, got temporarily paused in Mexico with this. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I'd love to uh, love to better understand what you do. I've been looking at your your website and going through a lot of the case studies. And you seem to be one of those few that talks the talk, but also delivers on it. Mm. Well, <laughs> thank you. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. From, I appreciate from what that. I can tell anyway. Yeah. Yeah. I appreciate that. It's really interesting because they've all, even as a professional myself, like everything kind of is starting to all, how do I say it? All of the skills that I've acquired over the years kind of now are amalgamating and making sense and coming together. So I started off in a construction career for 10 years running my own contracting business um, before that I took a lot of graphic design courses, um, really understood graphic design through high school and all that. I was like teaching my, you know, uh, teaching my high school courses. That's actually how I graduated. If it wasn't for graphic design, I probably wouldn't have graduated. Um, <laughs> so kind of put graphic design on the back burner and then we ended up running like a big events company in Winnipeg, Canada. So while I was still contracting, um, I built websites like when I was playing video games as a kid for like, you know, um, we we're also groups of these like gaming clans and different things. And I was on GeoCities on AOL and like 19, 1998 building yeah. like, you know, um, we we're like coding with like people around the world. I actually told a story the other day. I sent a friend a copy of Photoshop when I was 10 years old to Trinidad and Tobago because it would have taken him 69 years to download Photoshop in AOL in 1998. So I spent 20 bucks to send my friend a copy so we could design together. We were just young, like whatever, didn't like even think about business then. Um, But uh, I guess to answer your question, like all those skills, like over the years, I never, you know, Steve Jobs says in his famous speech, you can't connect the dots looking backwards. But now I'm basically doing a lot of advisory and consulting, but it's mixed with brand positioning and positioning people in a way so they are sought after. They're kind of the go-to trusted source in their industry. They can build a brand online while still operating offline too. I know offline is kind of hard right now with the whole pandemic going on, but uh, we kind of, how do I say it? I help people essentially bring all the pieces together and leverage a little bit more out of what they've got because there's a lot of blind spots that are really easy to overlook when you're kind of in the trenches and uh, working on your positioning while you're working on your marketing, I guess essentially makes your marketing more effective and it attracts people in more of a pre-qualified way instead of like just attracting a lead to attract a lead. Like people are in a place where they know what you do, they're ready to buy. You don't really, you still have to educate them, but they're buying because of who you are 
and not what you're marketing, if that makes sense. It makes a ton um, of sense. That, dude, that's a so huge, yeah. uh, that's a huge level up. I mean, that greases. Yeah. The so that was because I realized a lot of professionals, like no one's actually like we're hiring the individual. We're never hiring the company, even though we think we're hiring the company, we're hiring the person that talked to us. Like we're hiring the salesman that told us that this product's good. We're not generally, I mean, you know, some products will do the selling for you and it's a no brainer and you kind of like a fire alarm, you need a fire alarm. You're just going to buy it anyways. Right. But there's other things that like, you know, you have to actually have an interaction with a human. And I think it's kind of brand positioning essentially is like adding a human element to your marketing that really connects with people. Um, right. Yeah. So let, let's deconstruct that. How do you, how do you do that? Huh? Great question. <laughs> so I think it comes down to listening and actually talking to your customers, um, making offers and getting to know your audience. So like number one thing when someone comes to me is if they're not making lots of sales yet, let's make some sales because if we make sales, we can get to know our audience and we can talk to them. And we can just see like the, sh the things that they're going through that they're struggling with. So then if we actually know like the real life scenario and the real life situation that they're going through, and we actually like intimately get to know them, we can create really killer campaigns. How because do you, we've actually, how do you yeah. get to intimately know them? What are you looking for when you're? Yeah. Yeah. Them? Yeah. So, okay. Um, let's say you're delivering a service or a product of any type. Um, even having, depending, I guess, what industry you're in, but even having some sort of research call or follow-up calls to actually get to know your customer or maybe even an onboarding call. So let's say, you know, um, someone comes to work with me and it's like, we have an hour long call and it's like, okay, tell me a little bit about what's going on, what you have, you know, it, because somebody's paid you and because they're working with you professionally, you can dive in deeper, you can actually get to know them and they're usually willing to lay a lot more truth on the table because there's an established relationship there. Yep. Um, and then you can actually get to know the industry nuances, if that makes sense. Cause there's like, you know, there's things that a customer will tell you that bought from you, um, that things were maybe concerning for them when they first did an interaction with you. Like I had a guy uh, not too long ago, pulled the trigger on working with me. He didn't tell me this before, but after he started working was like, I looked at your case studies. You said this too at the beginning. I looked at your case studies. You talk the talk and you walk the walk. You show me that, you know, you're doing the thing. Yeah. You have great case studies. Your proposal is beautiful. And that's what made me choose you over everyone else. So him telling me that gives me a huge clue that like, this is my differentiator. And he closed at a very handsome price, like a very nice price. So I have validation that like, people are willing to pay for this. Um, and now I can talk about that in my marketing. Like, you know, a lot of people will, um, they'll talk the talk, but they don't actually back it up. We do. So, you know what I mean? Like it's, uh, I don't know if that explains that piece. I think it does. It's just, uh, once there's a professional relationship established, you can actually do some deep dive research and through, delivering your product or delivering your service, you can get real life feedback from real humans that maybe they're your ideal clients and maybe they're not. Cause maybe, maybe someone that's not an ideal client gives you feedback, but that feedback might not be relevant because they're not an ideal client, but maybe a really sweet client tells you something that you really need to hear because you know, someone like them needs to hear something like that. Yes. So, so how do you, how do you know who your ideal client is and who is not? Great question because I think a lot of people in the marketing and branding space say, figure out your avatar. And I think that concept can be flawed because you can't figure out your avatar until you've worked with them. So my suggestion is create a broad stroke sales message that will get people in and actually work with them. Mm -hmm. because once you've worked with them, then, you know, there's a way to, you know, you can, you can have your boundaries and, you know, make sure that they're not a, a pain in your butt, but you'll realize that like, you know, some people are fun to work with and some people totally eat your energy. And then it's like, 
characterizing who's the energy suckers and who's the great people. And what does that great person do all the time? Like, you know, are they an investor? Are they, um, did they take training in say landmark form? Because if they did, they're aware enough to work with me. If they didn't, I might have to break them down and like reconstruct the way they think about things and that's okay, but I don't want to spend the time doing that. So I don't know if that makes sense. It, um, it does. Um, it's a very nuanced, but I really appreciate your questions here because it's actually helping me flesh <laughs> some of it out too. Uh, so who's your niche again? So my niche is an investor that is either focused on real estate or an entrepreneur that has experience as a professional, but they want to transition into some sort of business online. They're not really sure what it is. They have skills. They have talent, they have cash, they've gotten themselves to a place where, you know, their things are working out for them. They're not extremely fulfilled with their professional career, but they also have like, you know, at least another 15 to 20 years in their professional career. And the right. thought of working that same gig for the next 10 to 15 years and retiring ain't ideal to them. Um, that's kind of, and it's taken me a long time, I, to be honest, this year, was when I started figuring out that's who it was. Um, but I've worked with cleaning companies. I've worked with software companies. I've worked with finance companies. Um, without working with all these companies, I wouldn't have had all these realizations. Like actually, I worked in the mining industry this year. And that gave me a big realization that that industry is flush with cash. Hmm. There's a lot of industries that are flush with cash. But until I worked in the mining industry, I didn't realize how much money they pump in to those projects, but it kind of being in that different industry gave me the epiphany that I needed. If that makes sense. I yeah. think, uh, I, I encourage people to work in different industries if they can, if they're a consultant or a coach, cause it gives you that viewpoint. Like the things that I pick up from old campaigns that I did two years ago that weren't maybe necessarily in like the real estate and investor niche, they're still relevant to today's teaching. Um, so I think it gives you like a super broad experience, kind of tangenting, but uh, I think it, yeah. Yeah, it, it's an interesting tangent. So if you don't mind uh, sharing, mm -hmm. on, like what did you do in the mining industry? What type of yeah, offer, yeah. Who, was your, who was the customer? Yeah. So actually um, the client was, so she was a consultant. Um, she came to us through one of our other private clients and she came to me basically wanting to work on her proposals and working on her pitches. She knew that we did proposals and pitches. I've like always done proposals just since my construction career. I find proposals like if someone's going to spend over 25 grand, they should have a proposal. <laughs> um, like that's a, my like thought. A, like a, a yeah, well written, thought like, through, this is polished. What you're getting. Yeah. And just so then we're like, you know, the lines aren't blurred. We don't get into a weird project where it's like you expected this and I delivered this. Yeah. Um, so, She's a consultant in the mining industry and she so, works. Sorry. So real quick. Yeah. So one of your services is to develop just the proposal for somebody. They're pitching. Yeah. The just the proposal, but also coach them through the process of like, how do you talk to them? How do you do the needs discovery? How do you put the proposal together? And then Got what's it. your follow up look like once you've sent the proposal and like, you know, how do you take a deal from idea to closed? Um, okay. so I was coaching her through that. So she works for a government body that accelerates mining technology. So there's a government body in Canada that, uh, basically incubates and accelerates mining technology and equipment. So this is like drill bits, heads, like, you know, all sorts of crazy geo mapping, like heat sensor tech, like really, really high end stuff. So she was technically working on acquiring people for their accelerator. So working on pitches. So she came to me and then basically I helped her accelerate all of her pitches in a sense. Cause like their sales cycle was like quite long. And then I showed them the things that they can cut out to actually, you know, qualify people faster, not send proposals to disqualify people because a proposal, like putting together a proposal takes an hour or two. So, you know, kicking people out as fast as you can, just so you don't waste your time, um, getting to a place where, how do I say it? They want your proposal and you're not sending them a proposal. 
yeah. like they're requesting that you send it. I think that's a different frame to be in. Um, so through working with her, I got to see some of these companies and their valuations and like, you know, some of the products that they're putting out and it's like, they're not cheap. And some of these products can save industries. Like there's this one product we looked at that could save certain specific industries, like $500,000 a day. Huh. And it's like, if you're involved in that, you get one sale as a consultant, you're good. You yeah. can, obviously you're going to strive for more, of course, but if that's going to make that much profit for the company versus if you had to make a hundred or a thousand sales, like, you know, your workload's totally different. So yeah. that for her, that opened my eyes because I got to work with her as a coach consultant and kind of just make her better. But then from that, we actually created a partnership where now we're kind of bidding on some contracts together. Um, but it also helped me again, expand my vision to the point where it's like, I need to work with people that are about, you know, they're an eight out of 10 and they really want to get to a 10. And I just got to give them that kick from eight to 10 just to get them there, just to give them that skill. Whereas like taking people from a three to a 10 takes a lot more work. Yes. And like, it's up to me, I guess, like, do I want to send them through a course or do I want to take all that time to develop, you know, the skills if they're willing to stick in it and they're willing to do the work from the three to the 10 easy. But most people want that eight to 10. They want that, you know, that quick win. So yeah. I don't know if that made sense, but for me it was like, I want to work with people that are almost there that just need that, you know, that accountability, that push over the edge, that little bit extra, um, it's like, you know, if you get a little bit more in 10 different areas, you can rebuild. Like if you get a 10% increase in 10 different areas, you basically rebuild an entire new ecosystem. Mm -hmm. It's a hundred percent increase in efficiency, quote unquote. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so yeah. Um, I guess I think that answered your question about how I worked with her and how that connected. It does. Yeah. That's really smart. Um, I'm interested to better understand. We started to deconstruct, mm -hmm. like, how do you actually position? Yeah, um, yeah. Um, yeah. Do you have a formula for that? Or maybe you can give us a case study to help us yeah. get more tangible with it. Yeah. Yeah. So I'll give you uh, I'll give you an example of what I used to do. Um, so when I was in construction and drywall, um, I used to try and focus on high end luxury homes. I realized that I could get paid double the price for the same amount of work and work in really nice homes, really nice locations. And usually the homeowners were like super cool. Like I did a house once for a guy that was the helicopter pilot from the King of Qatar. And like, he told me some, like some crazy stories. They had a light fixture that the King sent them like insane. So anyways, we would go into these sites I looked at my industry and everyone would come in the way that the drywall and construction industry works is I have a project who wants to bid on it. So you get four to five contractors, they come in, they give you a price, usually the lowest price wins. So what I realized is that like these homeowners don't want a low price. This is a mansion. If this house is screwed up, they're in a lot of trouble, not like trouble, trouble, but like their wife's going to be mad at them. You know, it's not going to be good. So everyone else would come in. They'd be scrubby. They'd be covered in drywall dust and drywall mud. And they'd just be exhausted from a long day. I would come in dressed up, nice coat, cleaned up, done up hair. I was pretty young. I was like 23 at the time. I'm 30 now. Um, would go in with a clipboard, a laser measuring tool. I'd measure up all the walls. Most of the guys that would come in, they'd say, send me your blueprints and I'll send you a quote. It's like, oh, okay, cool. So you're competing on price. So I'd come in, I'd measure up the walls, I'd get to know the homeowner. Um, one thing is I'd just talk to them about all the problems because like there's a lot of problems on construction sites that they don't know about. So I'd be like, okay, these corners don't have backing. You need to insulate the ceilings before we start. You need to do all this stuff. Like I'd, I'd address all of the, the things that I had concerns about, which would display me as a professional. Whereas everyone else was like, they just wanted the price. So I would go that extra mile to measure it up to care. I'd probably spend an extra hour there, but an extra hour is worth getting double the rate. So I'd take the time to get to know them. Um, and I'd always ask them after when, once they buy, why did you choose us? 
And they said, you know, everyone else came in and you actually cared. You educated us. You took the time. You told us stuff that other people didn't tell us. Like a big thing for me was like, if you don't blow in the insulation in a ceiling in a house in winter and you finish the ceiling in winter, when summer comes around, the ceiling unthaws and the joints actually shrink and you can see everything. Mm. If somebody's not a professional, they won't know that. So I tell them that like, it's kind of like a, it shows you, it, it displays to the customer that I know like what the F I'm talking about. Yeah. Uh, you're in good hands basically. So yep. uh, to wrap that all up is like, we would kind of, I wouldn't say we would put on a show, but <laughs> we would make it a good experience to, educate them and look good. We would purposely make sure we looked good because like if they perceived us as professional, we're professional mm -hmm. because we, we make a judgment instantly in our mind about somebody who we trust within like seconds. If you don't break that first impression, like right away, even you and me, when we connected, I think we got chatting and you're like, I've never seen anyone that focused on positioning. Interesting. So it's like, you know, it's being a little, it's being a little different and separating yourself, but that can only come from working with people and actually caring. I yes. know it's a, it's a very broad answer. Um, but at the same time, it's also, you know, it's finding those nuances that you can latch onto that give you that like super huge leap ahead. Yeah. I mean, I can, I can visualize how the difference between the competitors who were scrubbing mm -hmm who weren't professional, who uh, mm -hmm. just were looking to bid low wall versus you coming yeah. in looking sharp, being professional, communicating, demonstrating yeah. education, you know, mm -hmm. authority in that space. And even, even actually our laser measuring tool, we didn't even need to use it, but we bought it because it was a wow factor. Oh, like I could still read the prints. Yeah. I could, I could do the same thing everybody else did, but they were impressed because I would come up and put a laser on the wall. And be like, whoa, like this guy's crazy. Yeah. Like it just, it creates a, and it, I did need some of them. Like I would need ceiling heights because certain ceiling heights are usually off on certain prints. So I would use it for some things, but just the, the experience, the wow that it created for somebody was like, you know, they want more of that. We all want more wow in our life. Yeah. You know, it's interesting is how your competitors carried the, their projected view of the world to a high-end client like that. Yeah. One thing I've heard wealthy people say necessarily, I've been around a lot of wealthy people and one yeah, thing yeah. you hear them say very often is, oh, I got a great deal. There's a great bargain yeah. over it. What, they often that. will look at price and they'll go, I don't need, their, their due diligence is who's the most expensive because they must be the best. I right? love that, yeah. That, that distinction, uh, you know, often if you're, if you're, you're low-balling a, a, a wealthy client, you're basically communicating to them. I'm not worth it. Yep. If you come in and you're, you're the higher on the higher end, it's like, Oh, there must be a reason why I'm going to trust your pricing. There's a really funny thing too, that happens when somebody pays more is they actually listen. So mm -hmm. like, let's say this was a really big switch for me. Um, I used to ask for over 50% upfront plus material. And people are like, what? Like, how can you ask for that much? I was like, that's just, that's what we do. But what I found is when I'd ask for only 10%, they didn't give a shit if I needed things done. Pardon my, pardon my language. But like, let's say there's a bunch of like stuff stacked on a wall. My job as a contractor is not to move your stuff. Like I don't show up to work every day to move your stuff off a wall. So if I gave you a price and you gave me 50%, I say, hey, make sure that stuff's off the wall in the morning and it's off the wall. If you only gave me 10% or you gave me no deposit, you bet your ass in the morning, I'm cleaning everything off that wall and I'm wasting two to three hours of my time and I'm already getting paid less. <laughs> so it's like, right, you know, it was, uh, that was a big shift for me because people started listening. It's like, I have requirements and you need to meet them. Mm -hmm. because if you've paid me now you're at risk now i can say hey jerk like you know you were supposed to do a thing and you didn't or there's now there's a how do i say it i think it sets up a level of accountability for both parties and now there's no power struggle because we're both on the same page 
It's well, like, what, it, what it does too is it's, if, if somebody's hiring you, they yeah. want you to be the leader on it. Even if they're yep. very successful and they kick ass in their respective, their yep. doctor or their whatever, they're killing it in their respective space. I don't know anything about drywall. I'm hiring you. Tell yeah. me what you want. What do I do? So for you to come in yeah. with that level of confidence and direction, yeah. I'm sure is very attractive to a, a prospect. or a Cool client. thing too is I would always hire contractors, right? And well, because I'm getting paid more, I would pay my contractors more. Mm. And because I'm paying them more, when I phone them, they answer, mm -hmm. <laughs> right? If you need a job done, they're like, hello, <laughs> he's calling again. He pays well. So they're yeah. always on time. So if I'm yeah. able as the contractor to get paid more, all my subcontractors are getting more taken care of too, because yeah. we have more resources in case things go wrong. I don't mind paying you an extra few thousand bucks. If I'm getting undercut and things go wrong, we're stressed out because our budget sucks. Yes. So I think that's like, these are, these are actually like what we're talking about now. These are the little nuances that I think really affect positioning. And actually that's the results that it gives you. Oh dude, a hundred percent. And this is why I wanted to get into the weeds a little bit, just to mm -hmm. understand some of those new, no, I love this in a case study. What I am curious though, on the brand positioning side, I get yep. in your behavior, you're communicating yep. that positioning. Do you do that in your messaging? And if so, how did you do that up front? Yep. So an example with a client, um, they were, how do I say this? So this was actually my first glimpse into advertising. Um, I think it was like 2016. So a client came to me and they worked with all sorts of ad agencies and no one was bringing them results. And one thing that I knew is that the guy that ran the company had a lot of influence locally, but they weren't using that in their campaigns. And I was like, well, no wonder your campaigns aren't working because you're not leveraging you. Like you are, you're the brand. It's not the company. They're not buying the company. They're buying you. So we recreated his campaign and we used photos of like him on stage at an important event and created authority visually first. So when they seen it, they're like, huh, he's legit. So like this year we started getting into a lot of CRO work and like conversion rate optimization. And a lot of it from my graphic design background comes from like, how do we add more influence into this design? Mm. Um, because design is actually so influential. Like we, like a lot of us that aren't designers don't really realize like how manipulated we are by color and images yeah. and like seeing that and understanding marketing and branding for me, like really opened up a whole different world. Like a graphic designer, that's a marketer and a graphic designer. That's a graphic designer, two different people. Mm -hmm. Like it's totally different realities. Um, mm -hmm. One's an artist and one's actually persuading people. So mm -hmm. <laughs> it's really interesting. Um, so for him, I guess to bring it back, um, we launched the campaign and within the first week we brought them a $25,000 sale. It costed them $5,000 to get that one person, but they wasted about, you know, 10 to $15,000 on all these agencies and all this time and all this stuff trying to figure it out. Everyone was trying to focus on the benefits and yeah, the benefits are important, but the proof matters most. Mm. If you can prove that you are actually good and not just blowing smoke up somebody's, you know, um, that goes a long way. So I think with, uh, with him, that's what we did is we embellished the reality. Like we, how do I say it? We took what was actually working and amplified it online. Yep. A lot of people are trying to take something that's not proven in the real world and put it on the internet. And hopefully because it's the internet, it'll work. Human nature is still the same offline and online. So we just took his influence and really amplified it and got it in front of the people that already trusted him and, you know, sold people that way instead of going to a cold market with a random message and like barely connecting. So do you, do you have a, a, a formula for that at like a, a framework or a structure or are you yeah. using a lot of just your own intuition and like, let me ask some questions and let me get it yeah, yeah. out and go, Oh, this is what it is. Yeah. First two sessions with me, like I'm getting to know you, asking you questions. Um, there's a lot of things that I think I've retained over the years, like uh, company we're working with right now, they've been in business for 20 years. 
They've served over 56,000 people and they don't talk about that. And to me, it's like, you mean to tell me you're like, you're the top dog in your industry and you've served like, you've served like the majority of the people in your industry and you don't tell people about that. Mm. So for me, it's like, I guess the thing that I rely on is like, how do we talk about your results without being, um, without, while still coming off modest and not being a jerk? Yes. Um, because I think that's the thing that a lot of people fear is like, if I talk about my results, I'm an egotistical jerk. It's like, no, you're embellishing what works and you're actually serving people because they want to hear the story about how good it is. Um, yes. So a lot's based on intuition. Uh, this year, though, all of the concepts I've had in my head, I'm now starting to put on paper. So I've, I've been testing all of these different formulas and ways that I teach my clients and students, and I'm noticing what works and what doesn't. Um, a big thing I've realized is like when people come to me, we focus on sales. We were talking about that earlier. So it's like if we can master the sales, the positioning kind of, you know, we get all of our juice from that discovery period in the sales. So starting to map it out on my end, but it's a lot of it's intuition based, discovery based. And it's like a crock pot. Like, you know, you, uh, you, you put a bunch of ingredients in this in a crock pot, you let it sit for a day or two, but it's delicious once you eat it. So I think that's a lot, of, that's a lot of my thinking too. Like I like, I take in as much as I can simmer on it for a bit and then be like, Hey, here's our best paths. Um, cause I think, you know, when you're in the weeds, you can't even see your best paths. Right. When I'm hired to like see your paths for you, you know, I can highlight things that your emotions would probably cover up. Right. So I think, yeah, I don't know if, yeah, I think that answered what you said. Yeah, it does. Um, what if somebody, you mentioned earlier that you like working with people who are maybe at a different job, but they're thinking of yeah. starting something on the side. So they don't have yeah. the sales yet. They don't have the proof yet. Yeah. How do you help position them? Yeah. Your so they have professional proof. Um, they might not have entrepreneurial proof, but they've been in an industry for X amount of years. Um, they've, you know, you know, they've been, a, been in a successful marriage for 20 years. I don't know. I'm just giving you an example, but like there's things they've done as a human that's impressive that they don't think's impressive. Um, yeah. So I help them. <laughs> Oftentimes when people work with me, a side effect is you'll believe in yourself um, <laughs> because I, I show you that you're actually good. Uh. Like you're actually way better than you think you are. And mm. you should probably get paid more so you can get even better and serve your market at like the highest level possible. That's interesting. Um, what if the person yeah. wants to do something that they don't, that they're, they, they're at their job and they fucking hate their job and they want to do something. Yeah. They've always wanted to garden or they've always wanted to yeah, play yeah. guitar or help people. So, in a different way. Yeah. I think one thing that helps me with that is you can't get there from here. So it's like, uh, how do I explain that? If you want to get to something that's ideal for you, you might have to take a route that doesn't make sense. <laughs> so like you can't, um, <laughs> how do I explain this? It's like you're driving through a town and you go stop at a gas station. And you're like, how do we get to, you know, how do we get to this bar over here? How do we get to this location? It's like, well, you, you can't get there from here. You have to go around and you have to go out of town. You have to go down the highway and cross the bridge. And it's like, oh man, if I just tried to go straight, you know, things just wouldn't work out. I would be totally lost. Mm -hmm. So I think it sounds funny, but it's like being okay with getting professionally lost a bit while having the intent that you're going to find your skills. Um, I don't know if that explained it, but I think it's like you have skills professionally that make you great, but the industry might just suck you dry. Yeah. Um... They're soft skills, right? Like we have all these skills that translate to every industry. So that's, I think what's interesting to me, what came to my mind as you were saying all that is like, you can't wall street poker your way to becoming a rock star. Like yeah, if you're, yeah, yeah. If you're a, a trader, but you have this deep passion to be an artist and sing, you, you can't, those aren't going to necessarily translate, but yeah. you may have uh, gigs that you've done or you yeah. may. This is a really great example. However, if you are a trader, 
you might build up the relationship to someone that could get you signed. Mm -hmm. So through that shitty job that you hate, you may have the connection that's going to get you where you want to go. I think it's important you start with intent and begin with like the end in mind. I think that's important with a lot of my strategies. It's like, where do we want to go? If we know where we want to go, the path doesn't matter as much. It still matters and it's still important to have an idea, but being able to change our idea and not suffer, I think is just as important. Being able to pivot on a dime and not take yourself out of the knees, <laughs> right? That, that's reality. Sometimes you got to change your plan. Yeah. So, yeah. It's yeah, really cool. Say, uh, a clear enough what and a powerful enough why will, will overcome any how. You'll, yeah. you'll figure out the how with the fuel and the destination. And Prime example for me, um, construction career. Wanted to get into this whole coaching, consulting, online, traveling. No clue how to do it. So met a mentor in Winnipeg, found a guy in line. I was like, hey, seen what you're talking about. Super interesting. Tell me more. Ended up working with the guy. Um, but I guess like through that time, you know, we started that events company. And I started doing graphic design for the events company. So those skills and those graphic design brought me closer. But until we threw the events, then I really realized that like, wow, a lot of these entrepreneurs need help. Like we were throwing events of like 200 plus entrepreneurs in Winnipeg and like rooftop cigars and like Audi, Mercedes. Like they were big, like big events. Like people are dressed up like politicians. There's a lot of people there that were like silently struggling. So without me being a graphic designer, without me, you know, putting myself out there and like, you know, saying, I don't know how I'm going to make this happen, but I'm willing to make it happen. Um, I guess the opportunities presented themselves um, because I was prepared. You know, it's like that old cliche quote. Um, it's when preparation, how does it work? It's like when you're prepared and then the opportunity comes and you can act on it when preparation yeah. meets opportunity. Right. Um, yeah. so I think it's like, there's so many times of like, you know, not wanting to do design projects and, you know, hating this project that I worked on, but without going through that, those real, those lessons, they're not there without being a drywall contractor for 10 years, I wouldn't have gained the business foundations to understand how to price. Mm -hmm. Pricing was my number one gig. Like I got hired as an estimator once on that journey because I thought a corporate gig might be all right for me. <laughs> so I went worked for an estimating job because I had pricing skills. Mm -hmm. Didn't work out. I don't work well in the corporate arena as an employee. So I went back to being an entrepreneur, but I experimented until I found it. If that makes sense. Like, yep. you know, I think being relentless on your pursuit, but being okay with being a student of the journey. Um, I know it's hard to when you're in it, but it's like the journey never ends. And I think that's been a big thing for me is like your journey um, never ends and being okay with it changing and the destination being the same, but like the path will just like, <laughs> it'll be all over the place. And if you can fall in love with that, you don't get stressed out. Mm -hmm. um, you can pivot, you can change, you can whatever. It's like, eh, just kind of roll. It's like water, right? You flow with it. You still have your stringent outlines, but you just kind of got to go with the, go with the flow in a sense. It sounds yeah. cliche, but I think it's, that's from my personal experience. Yeah, that makes sense. What do you find is the most common roadblock that a lot of your clients run into? What do they not get that they, that you help them get? Hmm. Common roadblock. Well, I think it's like what we were saying too, is like, you're better than you think. And you probably should get paid more. Um, if you're actually good at what you do and you're really professional, like we should figure out a way that you can. Um, so that one. Um, do you help I, clients? Do you help them figure out what their, uh, you, you said that you like to work with people that are an eight and get them to a 10. Yeah, yeah. yeah. If somebody is so raw that yeah. they still haven't fully discovered what they love or what their passion yeah. is. Maybe they just are in the job they hate. They don't even really know what the destination is or what the what yeah. is yet. Do you help them yeah. with that process too? Or is that too? Yeah. Early? If, if they're okay with it taking time and I'll just be honest, when we get on a phone call, it's like, Hey, you're at a place where it's going to take some time. I can help you. And I know I can get you there. However, you're pretty fresh. Yeah. Um, 
somebody that's an eight out of 10, I can get them sales wins like that because yeah. they probably have a list and a network yeah. or someone that's pretty fresh. If they're okay with committing and embarking on a journey together, because it's not just like sign up at that point. Like it's not just sign up and you're going to get a quick win. It's like sign up and we're going to transform everything that you're doing. And it's going to like, it's not just business coaching. It's like, how are you showing up in life? How are you? I've realized it's pretty holistic. So I guess to answer that, as long as they're okay with embarking, because yeah. it's going to be a journey. <laughs> um, yeah. And that's like, that's when the pain, like not the pain, but like the beginning parts of an entrepreneurial journey, that's when you'll be tested the most. <laughs> um, yeah. So if you're in it and you're willing to go for it, I mean, I'm in it with you. But if you're willing to quit soon, just so you know, that might happen. <laughs> um, yep. So Makes I sense. guess that that's... And that's helped me a lot with clients because I don't want to overpromise to you and not deliver. If I tell you it is what it is and I deliver exactly that, then we never have a problem. Yep. <laughs> it's like, if I tell you I can get you, you know, I can get you quick wins tomorrow and I can't, then I'm not being ethical with the selling process. Right. So if I say it that way, I win, they win. We all get to, you know, expand on the relationship a bit. Yeah. Makes so, sense. What, yeah. Can, can you tell me a little bit about your, your team and your, um, yeah. your ability, to, you know, to, to scale, like give me yeah. ideas, not yeah. necessarily how many so, clients you have, but how do you, how do you facilitate and, and handle? Yeah. Them? Yeah. Okay. So, uh, we have a few different talents. So I have, so I have an advertiser that runs a lot of our media, um, me and her partner on a lot of CRO projects together, um, basically conversion rate optimization. So if I'm running any traffic or media, me and her come together, I create the ideas, I create the writing, I work with the clients to strategize everything. Then me and her implement the campaigns and launch it. Um, I have a copywriter. Um, he's written for Orrin Claff, um, basically Agora Financial and Agora Claff, or bleh, Agora Financial and Orrin Claff were two of the people he was working for. Um, he's written promotions, various ones for him. So he writes on some of our campaigns as well and advises um, my girlfriend, Alicia too. She does a lot of executive and performance coaching. So me and her will tandem depending take on the clients. So like if they need deeper performance and emotional work, she'll work on a lot of that stuff. I personally would work on a lot more of the strategy. Um, so I would say we have about four solid contractors. Um, I have an assistant that works with me kind of doing some design stuff. Um, and then on top of that, I also have two or three other designers that I kind of rely on here and there. Um, I take care of a lot of the design myself cause I have to, don't get me wrong, but like a graphic designer, again, can't think like a branding designer and a marketing designer. I'm working on training people to think like that, but I've, in my experience, it's quite difficult. Um, so I would say the team's like five or six, but it can expand and can contract. Like we have, uh, we have an SEO and a Google guy um, that we bring on for certain CRO projects. So like, actually we brought him on for one we're working on right now. We have a couple SEO needs and like, I'm good at SEO. I can understand SEO, but it's not my wheelhouse. Like I know the research parts of it and what it does, but that's his thing. So we'll bring him in for that. Um, I would say I'm a deal maker in a sense. So like if you have a problem, an expensive problem and you want a solution, I'll find the talent and I'll find the people. Um, that's actually my ideal vision is like <laughs> in the future is to solve really expensive problems with really great talent. Um, mm -hmm. Just because taking the time to get to know people and like curate our team. So have you ever seen Scorpion? Uh, no. It's a TV show where there's super geniuses. There's one guy that like, has all these super geniuses that don't have any emotional intelligence. And he basically picks up these huge government contracts and brings the geniuses on to solve them. Okay. And they're really smart and they like geolocate people and they're hackers and like really good show. Is um, this a reality show? No, it's actually like a, it's a TV show. Like a drama. I mean, if anyone's listening to this, we're on quarantine. So take a look, but that's my kind of like uh, ideal vision for like where I want to take a lot of my advisory and consulting is like vetted, qualified, talented, really great people. Um, the challenges with huge consulting and advisory firms is they lose their talent. They scale too fast. 
some of the bigger names, I won't mention them, but some of the biggest names in the consulting industry, they own over 10 to 15% of the industry. What people don't like about working with them is they charge a lot of money and they give them interns. Mm -hmm. So with us is we want to charge you a very fair amount. It won't be cheap, but you'll also get talent. You'll get great people that know what they're doing, know what they're talking about, and you're not just going to be pawned off on, you know, some assistant. Yeah, you might have some juniors working on your project, but they'll be at least overseered by someone that knows what the hell they're talking about. Right. Um, that's kind of my vision. I'm still, again, solidifying it, seeing where it all goes. But I work on, I'll work on various pitch decks and funding deals to help people fundraise and get projects funded and stuff too. So I'm kind of, kind of looking at a lot of that realm too. Um, super yeah. intrigues me. I'm just kind of playing in it right now a little bit, but yeah. that's my grandiose vision for everything. No, if it's makes... worth it and we all can have fun, I want to work with you. Um, yeah. I want to have fun in a lot of these contracts. Like I don't want to just pick up dry boring contracts either. I think that's a huge thing. <laughs> It totally is. I, you know, one of the biggest epiphanies for me in my journey was watching that uh, Simon Sinek video, the start with why mm. video where he talks about mm -hmm. the, what, what, what makes great leaders. Um, what, I forget what the title is, uh, how, how great leaders initiate change or, or yeah, yeah. something like that. And um, yeah. at the time I was doing a lot of web work and a lot of mm. marketing work for just people, for clients, people who are yeah, yeah. willing to pay. And yeah. like, I walked away from that video going, man, I would way rather work for somebody that gives a shit who is trying to make it a greater good in the world or whatever. And it completely shifted my mentality and the energy through which the, the, I was relating to my customers and I, I got mm. rid of some of the CPA and, and other people. Although I met other people who were CPAs that were like, hey, do you understand that if you do this with your finances, mm. you achieve financial freedom? And I was like, oh, I can mm. relate to that. And yeah, yeah, yeah. It changed the whole ballgame. And yeah, the people I was working with, it was like, oh, what, this is way more fun to do that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and it's like, well, like a thing that I've realized is our professional life's long. All of us want to enjoy our life. So figure out a way to kind of enjoy your professional career. You might not like it every day. Like some days it's just going to beat the crap out of you. I think that's like anything, right? But if yeah. you can at least like somewhat enjoy it, I think that's important. So I think there's a, there's a fine line of people who are like, chase your dreams and go for your desires and whatever. And then there's also the practical realm of like, you got to make money. So I think yeah. it's right in the middle. I think it's in the middle of make money, but still enjoy what you do. Yeah. Um, not like you don't have to love it. I think that's where people are confused. So I think a lot of people think they have to love the work that they do every single day. Yeah. It's like, I don't love getting on coaching calls for an hour and a half, but I love the transformation that comes from it. Yeah. So it's like, you know, I don't want, I don't desire to wake up every day and consult but I do like the feeling I get after getting off a really great call and seeing that they're winning. So, right. Like, you know, there's that trade off. Um, I think that's uh, important. Makes sense. Would, would it be fair to say, I'm just like rethinking yeah, yeah. through this whole conversation and how you go about doing what you do. So yeah. what it, is it, is this accurate? You go in, you meet with a client, uh, get to better understand them a little bit better. Um, find out what they're already doing and or get clarity on what they're trying to do. And then yeah. one thing that I picked up from this conversation that you do intentionally, at least that from what I understand is that you get them having a dialogue with their customer. In other words, yeah. put, put forth an offer, put, um, get feedback. Like, so that yeah. you're stepping into that conversation and then through your intuition saying, Oh, you're not really hearing what your customer is saying. Mm -hmm. uh, number one or two, you're not really valuing what you bring yeah. to the table. Let's mm. adjust some of those two things and marry more of their pain point with your unique mm. genius. And is that? Yeah. 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 And then okay. therefore they respond faster, they pay quicker and they're less annoying just to put it right. Um, right. Just because you actually understand them. Like you're actually working with somebody you truly understand. Yeah. And I think, right. Like, yeah, I think that, that nailed it. I mean, how, how to me, it's it? like, let's take what works and let's leverage it more yeah. so you can get a little bit more out of it. How do you, how long does it take you to, to get confidence in your clients as customers that, that the problem is the real problem? Yeah. Can you, can you reword that? 
Yeah. So you're working with a client, the client's going, Hey, I need help with sales or whatever you go and you start doing research with their current customer base. Mm. How long does it take you or maybe how many calls or how many individuals does it take for you to say, Hey, there's a clear, consistent pattern here. Mm. Um, This is what they're really, this is their main pain point. Is that something you can. Yeah. So on our first call, on our first call, um, you know, I was talking about the eight to 10, like taking somebody from like a seven, eight to nine to a 10 yeah. on our first call. Always my goal. I have a couple strategies that I use to make you cash. So if you have a list and you have clients and you have like people you're actively talking to, I'll give you a quick win strategy so you can bring in some money. Um, generally that's always my first thing because if you're making cash, then you're willing to stick with me through the rest of the process. Sure. So if someone like say comes to me, if they have a huge list, um, let's say a guy in Winnipeg, Canada, he had a list of 3000 people. Um, we sent out some text messages, some mailers, some emails, a retargeting campaign. We did like a whole trifecta from his old like customer list that he never talked to. Um, we reactivated 88 clients in four weeks. Hmm. So, if it depends on the depth of your relationship, it depends on the assets that you have that I can leverage. If you have like, you know, customer lists and you've, you've spent the time working on your business and your relationships already, it's really easy to get you financial quick wins. Mm-hmm. Um, if you don't have any assets and this is the same thing, why it's hard to take a three to a 10. If you don't have any relationships and you don't have any assets and you know, you don't have anyone that we can get in touch with to help us. Well, it's hard. So now we have to build that. So I think like if somebody says, can we win in a week? I'll say, I'd like to win in a week, but ideally in a month, we should have some tangible results. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'll manage your expectation too. Like if we're doing an advertising campaign and you're like, I want to be making this much in two weeks, I'll tell you you're nuts. And it's going to take us probably about three months to get there. Mm -hmm. Um, so I think it just really depends. Um, my goal as a consultant, as a coach is to get you wins like ASAP. If I do, I secure my career, (laughs) right? If you're winning, we're winning. We're all, we're all winning. That's my goal. Ultimately, if you're winning, I'm winning. I'm getting paid. You're getting paid. Everyone's paid. So yeah. Who are, who are some of your influencers specifically with the brand positioning stuff? Is it all just, (laughs) so there's a really weird uh, not weird dude but uh uh controversial dude that i think uh if you've never looked him up i'd suggest you do just to educate yourself so his name's edward bernier's he is the nephew of sigmund freud so sigmund freud is like you know the psychological like very well-known dude um edward bernier's basically created influential pr campaigns around the world that forced and created smoking as a cool thing for women to do. He got bacon and eggs into the Canada food guide and the American food guide. This guy influenced more things than you and I even know. He was the owner of the public relations council. He's influenced governments. He's influenced. He basically creates perception throughout communities and groups and influences thought and opinion. It's really dark stuff. Like uh, most people that I tell about it, he specializes in propaganda. In manipulation. Yeah, yeah, it's dark. But it's also important to understand because every day, propaganda and manipulation is being used on you. Everywhere, every day, no matter what. So he's somebody that I've dove into Yes, some of his stuff is unethical. As long as you use it from an ethical lens, it can be great. just depends on how you look at his stuff. Um, For what he did for women, just to give you an example, when women weren't like allowed to smoke, it wasn't a thing that was cool. It was like men just smoked. That was a thing in like way back in the day. Um, He created a campaign called Torches of Freedom. Google Torches of Freedom after. Women smoking symbolized freedom and it symbolized independence. So he got a group of women to waltz down. I think it was wall street. I can't remember. He paid them and they all had these big fancy cigarettes 
and they were smoking them. He took pictures and he sent it to the news media outlets with headlines. He pre-wrote the headlines, he pre-wrote the copy, and he basically set up a perfect case scenario for the whole world to be influenced. Within a few weeks, Torches of Freedom influenced 90% of American women to consider smoking. Really messed up. However, it's reality and it's yeah. happened and it's documented. So, and remind I mean, me, I, w- w- weren't the cigarette companies, didn't they hire him to do that? To yeah, they hired their him, yeah they, a government and cigarette companies hired him to exploit their marketing. Yeah. Um, it's messed up stuff. And to be honest, I haven't talked about this stuff that often with many people because most people can't handle it. Yeah. Um, but it's truth and it's reality and it's out there. So his stuff, um, I would say to get a, a lot of people follow famous influencers online. I try and research old ad agency men and influence experts that have done significant things in the public. Because again, like I said, if it's worked offline, it'll work online. And I want, you know, I want the insights that, how do I say this? Haven't really been translated or taught in the digital marketing and internet marketing realm. I want the like, you know, the deep psychology of deeper principles. I got a book here, actually another guy. Um, what the heck's his name? Uh, this book. So Eric Hoffer, really interesting guy. Mm. Um, the book's called the true believer thoughts on nature of mass movements. Mm. Um, he basically, uh, if you read his book in the 1950s, he predicted to a T exactly how Trump got into presidency. Now, I choose to not get into political conversations whatsoever in my marketing. However, it's a phenomenal read to see step-by-step how he did it. Um, So I think this is like juicy for any of your listeners because I think like these are really cool topics to study. Yeah, to me, this is where (laughs) the the, the meat is like. Yeah, uh, yeah. Um, So that, and I would also attribute a significant amount of my understanding and knowledge to Evan Pagan too. Um, yeah. he, he was one of the first courses I bought in 2015, I think. And while I was on construction sites, I probably listened to whew, thousands of hours of his audio trainings. Like I was the lead on construction sites. Like I was the lead guy and these companies would put guys under me. So then I basically put my headphones in all day, train on marketing, answer questions, and get back to marketing. Um, That's awesome. So I did, I did that for like three years. So Which Evan program Pagan, of his did you buy? Um, I went through Get Altitude and yeah. Inner Circle. So Inner okay. Circle was the recordings to like a $25,000 mastermind. And then Altitude was like, Altitude's his famous program. His, um, I went to the, his uh, Guru Mastermind. It was a year oh, long. Oh, cool. Yeah, I went through self-made, self-made wealth too. Um, really good program. Um, yeah, I like his, the thing I like about Evan is, uh, he was an offline business owner, quite like me. He was a real estate dude. I was construction. Um, he grew a dating business first. So he actually made a lot of money online and then he transitioned into entrepreneurship. That's why I was like, this guy's legit. Like it's very rare that someone builds a very successful business or even a business and then translates into coaching consulting. Like there's a lot of people that have zero business experience. Yes, you can get in. However, I think, you know, you should have been through the trenches a couple times because that's yeah. where the value comes. Like, yeah. you know, when you don't have to lose a hundred grand from a bad business decision. Right. What's um, fascinating about, about him and a lot of the other um, dating guys, the, the pickup artist guys that were yeah. very successful in doing it is they, they've learned at such a core level influence and persuasion of human beings. Yes. With women, but you have to yeah. understand yourself and how to coach other men. So you have to understand them as well. And those guys, I've seen a lot of them transition into yeah. the business space and just crush it because they understand human psychology. They understand humans. Yeah. Yeah. And they understand, but they actually. also understand seduction, which mm, is, in yeah, yeah, yeah. right. So which they take marketing. their whole process into yeah. a business environment and they crush yeah. it. One thing I've often found is I often have uh, women clients because women understand branding more than men. Mm -hmm. Um, Women don't get me wrong. And I'm not saying this to be sexist or anything. 
they understand attraction more than men because you know our society is geared towards that like magazines and everything promote being attractive so women get branding because all branding again it's seduction and attraction mm -hmm. i have to convince a lot of men to use it because they're very brute force and like not strategic so in my experience in a lot of cases naturally women are very good at branding um in intuitively it's an interesting perspective. I don't know. I felt like sharing it, but yeah. uh, it's up to you if you want to keep it in here or not. <laughs> oh, I, are you kidding? To me, that's fascinating. And I, I've, yeah. I've um, a lot of what I do looks at the world through sort of a masculine feminine lens. Cool. Uh, I do yeah, a lot yeah. of relationship related work as well. So it's oh, amazing. Yeah. So to hear you say that is very interesting and makes a ton of sense because yeah. And innate nature. through my marketing too, like I'm super feminine. I'm a branding, marketing thinker. So the thinking side is my masculine, but the flowy, like creative side is my feminine. Right. And without that though, I wouldn't be able to create as much as I do. Right. Um, but without knowing that, I would also, I don't, I think I'd be a little confused too, because mm -hmm. it's like, oh cool, that's my, my feminine side of me that flows in creativity. But then the masculine side of me is like, no is a complete sentence. <laughs> or, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, I do. <laughs> um, so I think that's really cool. I love that. That 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 type of stuff really intrigues me. I actually wanted to get into a lot more life coaching when I first started, um, but I found business was more tangible, and I could I could get paid more by helping business owners. But I found through that I did naturally life coaching, anyways. I was going to say they just yeah, you're doing it. life coaching. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Business. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> for, for entrepreneurs. So they're looking to yeah, take yeah. Their, their unique passion and purpose into yeah. the business space. Um, what would you say is, uh, we're about an, at an hour right now, so we'll yeah. wrap this up here shortly, but I'm curious to know, what is your purpose? What are you looking, what, you know, what do you want it to say on your tombstone? Oh, um, what do you want to be remembered for? Yeah. Not yeah. Just, not, not just your whole life, but like even just a client interacting with you, what do you, what are the adjectives you want them to, to use to describe an experience with you? That's a great question. So I like when people believe in themselves more after working with me, I think that's really cool. Cause like everyone has amazing potential, but they just don't think they're good at something and therefore they stifle themselves and they like put themselves down. Um, my tombstone. Oh man, that's a good one. And I'm glad you asked it. <laughs> I think I wanted to say like, you know, he lifted people up, um, selfless while still, um, I don't want to say this so bluntly, but like while still making a killing. So I still, therefore can actually give back to things I care about. Right. Um, that's kind of my vision is like, I, my goal is to earn a ton of cash so I can in the future be philanthropic. Um, a lot of people don't like that lens of reality, but it's gonna give me, I'm gonna curate all the skills I have now to therefore in the future market causes that I care about. Um, that's like, not that I care about, but like things that are really meaningful to me that I can put two or three years of my like life into it. Um, yeah, I would say, using my coaching and consulting as like a vehicle to actually make a meaningful difference in society. Mm. Oh. I actually could see it being now that you mentioned it in the education realm. Um, we're not taught how to do sales. Yep. We're not taught how to be friends. Even we're not taught how to be an okay spouse or a good partner. Um, I could see me having a part in that realm because I was, uh, how do I say this? The school system didn't do me much good. Mm -hmm. um, I was a very messy kid. I sold pot in high school. Um, I wasn't, the teachers, most teachers, like I was least likely to succeed. <laughs> um, always had a special desk, probably thought I had ADHD. Um, but I was just creative. I was fucking drawing all the time. I was left-handed right. and like no one taught me how to not smear all the pencil stuff because I'm left-handed mm. and like that made me naturally messy. And it's mm. like, if I actually had somebody that cared in that process, I, I feel I turned out well, like I think I'm on a good path, but I also feel I endured a lot of unnecessary suffering mm. because of not being taught. Like 
how to do your taxes or how to make a sale or how to write an invoice. Um, now those are things that are like getting brought into the educational system. But I think uh, you're getting me all up in my feels here. Um, I was just going to say, like I was st- I'm starting yeah. to feel that too. And, and I feel the motivation yeah. and the purpose behind why you do what you do. Yeah. Well, just like there's so much there's so much BS that we're not taught that we don't have to go through like all this pain. Like when I went through my construction, like you and I talked about that, like I lost like $90,000 and went through like three years of depression, like dark shit. (laughs) Um, But I didn't have support through that. I, no one in my family is an entrepreneur except for my dad. All he had to say was that sucked. (laughs) Um, Right. There's no emotional intelligence there, not to his falter, but he's not educated on that. Um, everybody else had a job, so there wasn't anybody to really, you know, even connect with, talk you through it. And I think like that to me, was a big motivation. It's like, that was a dark time. And that showed me that like people, people don't have to go through that. It's important to fail because you learn, but I think it's important to also not catastrophically fail. So you don't like mess yourself up because I think you can like, You know, if I didn't have the people, I very, there's many times I didn't want to be here. <laughs> so wow. whew, you're bringing up some shit. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks, man. I appreciate but, it. Well, I, I hope so. I mean, I, I didn't necessarily intend to, but um, no, no, it's good. It's I, I do find it revealing. <laughs> I mean, it, it does, it does. Uh, I appreciate you sharing it. You know, I appreciate you being yeah. willing to share because I know that that's not easy always. Um, I was raw. It felt, uh, felt good to share that. I appreciate that. Oh, good, man. <laughs> I appreciate you, man. Um, well, I, uh, w- w- if somebody's interested in working with you, where can they go? How yeah. can they get in touch with you? Um, well, in the show notes, you can find out how to spell my name. Um, <laughs> Troy, Troy Swingin, A-S-S-O-I-G-N-O-N. Uh, look me up on Facebook. Add me as a friend. Uh, you can take a look at my website. Uh, all my testimonials and results are on there. Find me on LinkedIn. I'm on Instagram. I'm mostly on Facebook, though. Facebook's like my place. That's kind of where I built a lot of my personal brand there. Um, so yeah, find me on Facebook. You can hit me up through there, email, whatever. Just get a conversation going, and then we can kind of just see what's there. Um, generally, that's that's how it works. Yeah. For those who uh, who are not going to be able to go over to the show notes for whatever reason, if you're just listening to it, it's Troy Aswingon. Aswingon. Uh, <laughs> and that's ASS. Uh, yeah, go ahead. ASS OYG NON. Yep. So Troy Esuignon.com. Um, yep. I feel very, very French right now. I'm, yeah, I'm you, you're like, you nailed it. <laughs> All right, brother. Thank you so much for this call. This Dude, was very enlightening. Such and a I, good chat. I appreciate what you're doing. And uh, it's a good time to be in the brand positioning space, I think. This is a Dude, lot of time. I'm, uh, I'm excited because I think a lot of people are. I amidst all of the chaos and all of the pandemonium i think uh on the other side of all of the darkness there will be some light um it might take some time but i think yeah. there's uh actually a lot of light and a lot of newness and a lot of uh through destruction comes birth yes. like comes new reality and right. i think we will see a lot of uh opening up of industries and people i think individuals and like communities uh, yeah. Agreed, man. I, this is a good time to be level-headed, but um, step on the accelerator and uh, mm-hmm. move while other people are contracting and trying to. Yeah. To, uh, Love it. Yeah. All right, man. Thank Thanks. you again. This I awesome. really appreciate it. This is a great chat. I'm like vibrating right now. <laughs> Thank you, brother. Appreciate it. Have a good one. You too, man. <laughs>